0: Thanks brother. It is uh, interesting being up here again. The last time I was up here my godmother who was like a mother to me passed away and I found out that news on a Friday and now today I found out that my wife is pregnant and now we're expecting a baby so just interesting times for me to be up here. Um, give me a moment as I set up. Act justly, love faithfulness, and walk humbly. I mean, these are common phrases you've probably heard from social media or as you browse through the internet. I've heard, I have this exact phrase as a decor in my house right now. Have you ever wondered what the context of this phrase comes from? Or where does it come from? Or what book in the Bible does this phrase come from? Or who's speaking this? Or who are they talking to? Um, If you've never heard this phrase before, what do you think this phrase means? I mean, one thing that really intrigued me during my study of this phrase or this verse um, is how a short, simple, catchy phrase like that can really have so much influence over a person's life. Phrases like this can do so much good, and sometimes it can be misunderstood or over-applied. So today we'll be meditating on this verse that is found in the book of Micah, chapter 6 verse 8. Once again the verse is Micah chapter 6 verse 8. If this is your first time opening up the Bible, um, the chapter numbers are the big numbers and then the small numbers are the verse numbers. So it's Micah, that's the book name, um, chapter 6 which is the big number and 8 which is the small number. So if you would turn there with me as we hear God speak to us. Because man must not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hear God's words as he speaks to us from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the word of the Lord dwell richly within us. Let us pray. Father, we are desperate to hear your voice right now. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. Father, teach us to be desperate for you. We don't want to grow in pride or arrogance. We want to grow in loving you more and loving your word and your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So the main question that's going to be answered today that we see in this text is what does God require of you? Once again, the main question that I'm going to be answering today is what does God require of you? There are three things we see in this text that God requires of you. First, to act justly. Second, to love faithfulness. And lastly, to walk with your God. Once again, the first point is to act justly. The second point is to love faithfulness. And the third point is to walk with your God. I mean, to have a better understanding of this verse, let me give you some context. So Micah is a prophet of the southern kingdom of Judah. At this point, the north and the south have split. And King Uzziah's military victories has brought wealth into Judah, which is the south. So there's a wealthy middle class that's being established, much of which comes at the cost of the farmers. The merchants were exploiting the farmers, and they were becoming wealthy and powerful. God, in verse 10, describes his case against this city. This is verse 10 of chapter 6. He says that they are treasuring wickedness. They are using the accursed short measures and the wicked scales. They have bags of deceptive weights. The city specifically the wealthy rich merchants, they were cheating the poor farmers of their laborers and crops by using scales, weights, and measures that were inaccurate. Verse 12 explains that the wicked and the wealthy are full of violence and their tongues are full of deception. In verse six of Micah six, we hear that the question that the oppressors begin to question God. They ask the question, what do we have to bring before God? Do we need to bring sacrifices? Do we need to bring oil or 10,000 rams? Or do we need to bring our firstborn as a sacrifice? In chapter 3, verse 11 of Micah, we learn that the leaders are issuing rulings based off of bribes and how the priests are teaching or mediating between the people for a payment and how the the prophets are practicing divination for silver. So, I mean, the the leaders, the rulers, the priests, all of them are practicing wickedness and they're doing things for finances and wealth. And so listen to what they say. They say, yet they lean on God saying, isn't the Lord with us? So disaster will never overtake us. The The oppressors, the merchants, the priests, the prophets, and the leaders, they think that God is still with them because they are part of the people of God. Because they still offer sacrifices at times, because they're still moral, God is still with them, and there, no disaster will come after them. They have grown content in just going through the religious motions, and God uses Micah 6, verse 8, as a wake up call, as a splash of cold water, as judgment against them. He tells them exactly what He is requiring of them. He tells them what is good. Look down at the text. Mankind, he, God, has. The word there has is actually past tense. God has already told them what is good and what is required of them. And now he is reminding them and making a case against them with those words. Look back down at the verse. Mankind, so he's speaking generally here. And then he goes into the specific when he says he has told each of you. He's saying there is no excuse. He wasn't just speaking to a crowd or speaking generally, but he was speaking to each one of those in Israel. And what does he say? Look back down at the Bible. He has told each of them what is good. The word good here is the same word used in the creation account. Um, After God created the wildlife, he saw that it was good. It was pleasant. It was agreeable. It was beautiful. The word good is a qualitative word describing the quality. God has told you what is good for you and what's good for those around you. God has told you what brings goodness and beauty. Look back down at the text. And what is it the Lord requires of you? When I think about the word require, I think of what's right and wrong. I think of something that's morally obligatory. It's the right thing to do or it's the wrong thing to do. I mean, God here is giving us three things for Israel to do that is both good and right. So what is the first thing? We're going to start with point number one. God requires Judah to act justly. Notice notice here that the word is act and not to affirm or to love justice. It's often easier to just affirm or love justice more than it is to act or do justice. In movies, I... Love it when justice is served. I mean, Christine and I have been watching um, an anime about heroes, and it's just so satisfying to see the heroes beat the bad guys and having the bad guys sent into justice. I and mean, I just love it when justice prevails. And if you're anything like me, then you love talking or ranting about TV shows and how we just love heroes winning. But yet when I do something wrong, I'm not looking for others to act or or enact justice on me. Or if justice costs me something, like a promotion or a disapproving eye from the managers, then justice becomes real difficult at that point. And that's what's happening here in Judah. I'm sure the merchants wanted justice if a boy stole a piece of bread from them. But do they want justice when they're using deceptive weights? They might be thinking, well, everyone's using it. Like, can, can God really accuse me of using it if all the other merchants are doing it? Stephen Dumpster explains justice as this. To do justice is often to help someone in need. For example, to be an advocate for ones whose rights are being violated. Thus, God is the ultimate just one. As he champions the cause of the widows and the orphans and all who are oppressed. Solomon practiced justice by vindicating the rights of a prostitute returning her stolen children. Then justice is something that one primarily does and the word Justin often occurs together with the word righteousness and together they point to the practice of justice in society. God is calling his people to be just to act justly and we are his people because we are in Christ he is calling us to act justly because our God is just as the people of God we ought to act justly and because blessed are the ones who are persecuted for righteousness sake for justice sake for the kingdom of heaven is theirs so the first thing that God requires of us is to act justly. The second thing that God requires of us, looking back at the text, is to love faithfulness. The ESV translates the phrase as love kindness. The NIV translates it as love mercy. The Hebrew word here is difficult to translate because it entails all three of those words. Mercy has the idea of loving someone who has wronged you or who's below you in status. It has like a top-down idea. The, faithful, the word faithfulness has the idea that you would love someone regardless of their response. A faithful husband is one that is committed to his wife regardless of the circumstances. The word kindness here is to describe the quality of how the people of God treat others. God is requiring that his people not only act in kindness with faithfulness and mercy, instead he's telling them to love kindness that is faithful and merciful. God actually flips the script here by comparing it to acting justly. He tells them to love kindness and not to act in kindness. It's often easier to just act with kindness or mercy more than it is to love it. It's easy to begrudgingly act in kindness to those around you and to begrudgingly forgive someone. But that's not what God is commanding here. His command is that his people would love kindness, love mercy, and love faithfulness. Children? Look up, children. Shiloh? (laughs) It's weird because normally PJ's children are right in front. And so I'm like talking to them, but they're not here today. Okay. (laughs) Israel, look. God is telling you here through the word To not only be kind to others, but to also, and more importantly, to love kindness. Not only to forgive others, but to joyfully forgive others. And if it's hard to be kind and to forgive joyously, you don't need to pretend. Tell others that it's hard. Tell the person you're trying to be kind to that it's hard. And ask God for help. The last thing that God requires is to walk with God humbly. Church Spurgeon explains, walking with God denotes an active habit, a communion in the common moments of everyday life. Walking can be distinguished from running or sprinting, where one goes for a short while and then stops to rest. Walking connotates a constant, dependent, a slower but active enduring pace with god it's a daily moment by moment dependence on god i mean this can also be understood in the word humility or humbly a humble person is one that understands their position in light of god they understand their need and desperation of god knowing that they can't walk apart from god they are weak and feeble while God is strong and willing. They are finite, while God is infinite. Not only do they understand their position in light of God, they go to God. A proud proud person may understand their weakness, but the weakness will want them to strengthen themselves. A humble person walking with God sees their own weakness and eagerly jumps to God, the strong one. Spurgeon continues by describing this humility as when our walking with God is when our walk with God is closest and nearest and clearest we must be overwhelmed with adoring wonder at the condescension that permits us to think of speaking with the eternal one to this reverence must be added a constant sense of dependence walking humbly with God in the sense of daily drawing near all supplies from Him and gratefully admitting that it is so. We are never to indulge a thought of independence from God, as if we were anything or could do anything apart from Him. Walking humbly with God involves a profound respect of His will and a glad submission to it, yielding both active obedience and passive submission. Walking humbly with God cries under cutting affliction it is the Lord's let him do what seems is good to him listen if you're not a Christian here with us today this might be terrifying this might sound terrifying and completely outrageous I mean you want me to find my strength in another person and you want me to find my dependence on a God I can't see I mean that may seem odd, but yeah, that's the answer I'm trying to give you. I mean, think of all the difficult moments and difficult times in your life. Has it been better to depend on yourself or to depend on others? If you've tried depending on yourself long enough, you'll soon find out that that doesn't work. Depending on your, depending on God is a life trusting in someone who will never leave or abandon you. So I have good news and bad news here for you today if you're not a Christian. God is a holy God. God is a just God. He always acts justly. So he will punish wrongdoings. We have all done wrong. And therefore God is against us and we are against him. You might be thinking, I'm not against God. I'm neutral, but there is no neutrality. God says that you are either for him or against him, but there is good news. God sent his son to take the just punishment for your sins and for my sins. God sent Jesus into the world to live the perfect life you and I could not live, to die the sinless death you and I deserved. He rose again three days later, conquering sin and death. And if you would put your trust in him and turn from your wrongdoings and follow him, God would forgive you of your sins. God right now is giving you an opportunity to turn from your wrongdoings and trust in Jesus so that he can give you a life full of purpose and a life worth living. To the members of Bethany Baptist Church, Act justly, love faithfulness, and walk humbly with your God as a member of a covenant community. God hasn't designed this to happen alone, but as a part of a body. We need one another. We don't always know how to act justly. We need others to call us out when we're not loving faithfulness. We need each other to point out our blind spots. So God here today is calling you to act justly and love faithfulness in every sphere of your life, in every sphere of our lives. He's calling us to walk with him humbly, dependently, knowing that anything done in our own strength leads to pride and arrogance. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word gives life. Father, help us to be a church that is characterized by our love for you and our love for those who are oppressed. In Jesus' name, amen.